When the 12 Nasim, representing their respective Shvatim, inducted the Mizbech into service, as we'll read in this week's parasha, we do see that they brought a Korban even on Shabbos, who at that time, the Nasi of Ephraim. Now, when the Medrash analyzes how it is that they could bring a Korban, or that Ephraim could bring a Korban on Shabbos, you're going to see that there are various different perspectives in the Medrash as to whether this is because of the greatness of their Korban, or if it's built into the laws of Shabbos, or if it's something unique about Ephraim. There are quite a lot of moving parts in the Sikha, but it is incredibly gishmak to see how the Rebbe pulls together four different perspectives as to what was going on at that time. So when we get to the point where the Torah describes the Korban <coughs> as part of Chanukah Samizbech that was brought by the Nasi of Shevet Ephraim, who brought his Korban on Shabbos because he's the seventh of the Nasim <coughs> and it begins on, uh, on Rosh Chodesh, which Rashi tells us is on Sunday. So the Medrash Abba in our parasha, important to note, parasha Yud Gimel, so it's the first segment that we're going to analyze in the Medrash, says, There were three things the Nesim did that weren't exactly the way that they should be, and nevertheless, they accepted them. What's the one that's relevant to us? There's no other place in Halacha that allows an individual to bring a carbon on Shabbos because various of the activities to bring a carbon actually desecrate Shabbos and an individual does not have the authority to bring their carbon <coughs> and override Shabbos. Over here, that's what happened. Vakan, Korban Shabbos is an individual, the Nasi of Ephraim bringing his carbon and that override Shabbos. So how could that happen, says the Medrash? That shows you how beloved the Nasim's Karbonus were to Hashem, that he allowed a Nasi to override Shabbos to bring the Karbon. That's the first suggestion in the Medrash. Shouldn't have happened, but because the Karbonus of the Nasim are so beloved, it does happen. Now let's read on. In the next section of the Medrash, Isa bin Yanzeh tackles the same issue from a completely different perspective. You shouldn't say, How could the Nasi break Shabbos? When we know that an individual is not permitted to bring a carbon on Shabbos, and he did, to which David replies, He didn't do it of his own accord. I told Moshe that these Nasim should bring their carbonus, which includes bringing a carbon on Shabbos. Okay, so that's a completely different perspective. That's saying, <clears throat> not that it was inappropriate, but because the, the carbon was beloved, Hashem said, okay, this is the way it's supposed to be. Hashem says, kachamarti. That's, that's what I said. So at face value, this is what we're going to derive from the Midrashim. The very first Midrash we looked at told us that actually initially when the Nasi, the Shevet Ephraim, brought his carbon on Shabbos, it wasn't ideal. To use the expression of the Midrash. But because... Because it so happens that the carbonus of the Nesim are so beloved to the Ebishter, so even though it shouldn't have happened, Kibbeh Ma'akadosh Baruch the Ebishter was willing to accept it.
That's the first view of the Medrash. Mashenke lefi ha-Medrash ha-Beis, whereas the second Medrash that we've looked at says something completely different. It says, Akrova, Sakrova, Shabbos, Oisim, Milechat, Chile, Inyan, Rotsi, Kehagen. The fact that they brought a Korban, that he brought a Korban on Shabbos was actually the right way to do things. Lefi, Shani, Omar, Tina, Moshe, Chule, because David just says, that's what I told Moshe to do. So that's what it would seem. Medrash 1 is saying it shouldn't have happened, but we'll excuse it because the Korbanas of the Nisim are so beautiful. And Medrash 2 there was absolutely nothing wrong. This is the way it was supposed to be. That's what Hashem said. That's how it would appear. But when you look at this more closely, you can't suggest that the first Medrash really believed that it was inappropriate to bring this carbon on Shabbos. Because logically that's impossible. You're talking about a Nasi over here, not an ordinary citizen. This is a person of high spiritual caliber representing his Shevet. It's impossible that he did something that was against Aloha. And especially when you consider the context. It's not an individual operating in a vacuum. They are Kohanim on duty. They are Levim on duty. There's a whole crowd of people. You're telling me they all went against Halacha and it's only because the carbon of the Nasim is so precious that David overlooked over that. Atma, that's, that's incredible. How, how could you say that? Therefore, we have no choice but to say, We have to say that the first Medrash also believes that that the fact that the Nasid Ibn Ephraim brought his carbon on Shabbos was acceptable and even directed by Hashem. But because it was a unique construction, only for this particular instance, and would never be acceptable in any other th- circumstance. Therefore, the Medrash calls it Nikr It's really inappropriate behavior that here was given the green light. So now we've got two Medrashim. The first Medrash is saying the instruction for the carbon to be brought on Shabbos by the Nasi was Hiroas Shah. It was a temporary instruction only at that time, versus the second Medrash that seems to indicate that that's what Debishta wanted, and it was kind of permanently the way that a Nasi should bring a carbon if theoretically there was another opportunity to do so. So the Fizet Tzachlov, and then we have to understand, what's the logic behind the two views of the two Midrashim? That the first Midrash takes the perspective that really this is not the way things should be, but there's a Yerosh to allow it. Whereas the second view says, no, there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't need a special temporary suspension of the laws of Shabbos because this doesn't break Shabbos. It's 100% acceptable. Not only is it acceptable, it's actually fulfilling what Debishta wanted. So we've got to get into the logic behind these two Midrashim. And in order to do that, we're going to have a look at something that Gemara says. And <coughs> Gemara... Um, Speaking, yeah, yeah, so we'll have a look at something Gemara says, and then basically we'll come back to the Medrash, and we'll actually expand out that there's more to the Medrash than what meets the eye. So, so the Gemara tells us very interestingly that when they inaugurated the first Beis HaMikdash, they didn't observe Yom Kippur. Can you imagine? They did not observe Yom Kippur during the days of celebration. It was a week of celebration of the inauguration of the Mishkan, uh, of the Beis HaMikdash. And on what basis? Because they said, well, logic dictates that we should not celebrate Yom Kippur or fast on Yom Kippur and have the restrictions of Yom Kippur now that we're celebrating the Beis HaMikdash. What was their logic? They said as follows. Look at the Mishkan. Which was only a temporary place of Kedusha, which was always intended to be replaced by the Beis HaMikdash. Number one. 
Number two, the carbon yachid. The Nasim, or in this case, the Nasi Livnei Ephraim, who brought his carbon as part of the inauguration of the Mishkan, it was an individual bringing a carbon. And nevertheless, it was Doicha Shabbos Yisaskila, point three. It was over, able to override Shabbos, which is such a serious thing that a person gets skiller for it. So then, compare it. Mikdash, The base of Mikdash is something that is going to have permanent holiness. Ve, carbon, Sibor. And the carbon is still going to be brought in the base of Mikdash, which were brought that day, are communal sacrifices. Ve, Kores. And the punishment for Yom Kippur is less severe than Skila. It is only Kores. Should we not certainly override Yom Kippur? In other words, what's the Gemara saying? The Gemara is obviously not of the opinion that the instruction that allowed the Nasi Livnei Ephraim to bring his carbon on Shabbos was not just a temporary instruction. Unlike the first proposal in the Mishnah in uh, uh, Parasha Yud Gimel, because obviously, if that was a Shah, which is only relevant at that period in history, there'd be no basis for making a logical extrapolation for how things are in the Beis Amigdash, which wouldn't have that Shah. So, now we really have to understand the two perspectives of the two Midrash. So now we're going to say we have the first Medrash on the one hand that's saying it was Shaloi Kohigen and it's only because they loved the Karbanas of the Nasim, therefore there was a Yerusha that they could bring the Karban on Shabbos versus what the Gemara seems to be aligned with the second Medrash that there's no problem and it's not Chil Shabbos to begin with. So let's try and understand what's the logic to say that either bringing the carbon on Shabbos was a temporary exception or it was completely acceptable and no transgression of Shabbos. There are many different ways we could explain this. We're going to look at two of them. And this is all going to be based on a principle of whether a Shevet is considered a kohal. In other words, if there's a carbon that has to be brought on behalf of the entire Jewish community, we all know that it's brought on Shabbos, like the carbon tamid or the musaf on Shabbos, even though they, that requires shechita and various other things that break Shabbos, because it's on behalf of the tzibur, it overrides Shabbos. Now here we're talking about a carbon that was brought on behalf of an individual shevet. Does a shevet qualify as a communal offering or not? So let's take the first opinion, the first perspective, the first possibility. Aleph. The Gemara, or for that matter, the second Medrash we looked at, they both say there is no issue of bringing the carbon on Shabbos. They must hold the view that a Shevet is communal enough to be considered a communal offering that can be brought on Shabbos. Because the Nasi was bringing not his own personal carbon, but his tribe's carbon. As a carbon, I call it's a communal sacrifice. And therefore, you could bring it like any other communal sacrifice, which overrides Shabbos. And it's not a special uh, dispensation for this particular carbon. Ah, you'll say if it's a communal offering, why did the Gemara call it when it was building the Kalvachomer? Said that was a single offering or the individual offering versus the carbon at the time of Yom Kippur in the first base Amigdash, which was a communal offering. That's because That's because the Gemara there is trying to compare the carbon that was brought on behalf of the Shevet to carbonists that are usually brought on behalf of the entire community. 
שהם קרבונס של כל הדסי, so כל השבטים, which obviously are קרבונס on behalf of all of the שבטים, and everybody could understand that there must be a difference between something that's brought for the whole community and something that is only brought for a particular שבט within the community. Okay, so that would be the opinion of the Gemara and the second Medrash, Mashen, Kenam Medrash Aleph, whereas the first Medrash that says that it needs a special dispensation, or because this type of carbon should not be brought on Shabbos, but it's uniquely allowed because it's the carbon of the Chanukah Samizbech, which is very beloved to the Ebishter. So that opinion must be, Ozil Shevet must follow the view that a Shevet does not have the the status of an entire community. So therefore, this carbon of this Nasi has the halachic status of the carbon of an individual person, which typically cannot override Shabbos. And the only reason that he was allowed to do so is because there was a special dispensation. So the first possibility is they're debating whether a Shevet has the status of a Tzibur or not. Or there's another way we could look at this and we could say, well, the truth is nobody debates the fact that a shevet is considered communal and therefore a carbon brought on behalf of a shevet can override Shabbos. The question is, was this considered a shevet's carbon or the Nazi's carbon? So, base the second possibility. Everybody agrees that a shevet has communal status and therefore technically could override Shabbos. But what makes this a unique case is in order for the Nasi to bring this carbon, he had to pay for it from his own funds. And he could not use communal money for it. As the Medrash says clearly, and Rashi quotes, that in order for the Nasi to bring the carbon, he had to pay for it and he couldn't use communal money. If it is something he's paying for, that would explain the debate between the first Medrash that says he needed a Hirosh Shah to be able to bring it on Shabbos versus the Gemara and the second Medrash that said there's no issue on Shabbos. According to the Medrash, seeing as he did not use communal funds to pay for this carbon, then yes, maybe under different circumstances, a shevet would be considered a community, but here it's his personal carbon paid for with his funds and therefore should not override Shabbos. And so therefore the only reason he was permitted to bring this carbon on Shabbos is because there was special, special dispensation given temporarily to the carbonists of the Nasim. Whereas the view of the Gemara or the second Medrash would be Yes, we acknowledge that he paid for the carbon from his own pocket But he didn't present the carbon in his name He presented the carbon in the name of his entire Shevet The Torah assigns the value of this carbon to his shevet, not to him. It's considered a carbon brought on behalf of the entire community, of his entire community, his entire shevet. And therefore, it actually is considered shevet ikri kohol. It is considered a communal offering. And therefore, there's no breaking Shabbos in the first place. 
In fact, you could actually see this in the words in the Medrash that says, Straight after the Torah tells us that this is the Kobin of Nachshem Ben the Medrash says, That he used his own money to pay for the Kobin and he didn't collect funds from his Shevet. Straight after that, the Medrash there says, and this is going to be relevant information for our discussion going forward, this carbon could override Shabbos. And a regular personal carbon could not override Shabbos. What's significant about this wording? The way that it said so generically, that a personal carbon cannot override Shabbos. And it doesn't say veloi vein sha'ar korban yochi doiches ashabas or chiyotzebozeh. The Medrash doesn't say other personal sacrifices could not override Shabbos. Mashmash a korban anosi and begedded to korban yochid. That implies that this korban brought by this individual is not seen as an individual korban. It's seen as a korban on behalf of his shevet. On the one hand, here on the other hand, but the fact that it says in this Medrash, this Korban can override Shabbos, plus of course the fact that we had to actually find a basis to explain why this Korban would override Shabbos, tells us that actually this Korban brought by this Nasi does appear to be an individual Korban. And therefore we have to explain, it's a personal carbon, but in this instance, it can override Shabbos. I'll move on, and that would actually then explain to us, the fact that the Nasi did not collect the funds for this carbon from his Shevet, it is technically a carbon Yochit according to the first Medrash. But because he's bringing the carbon on behalf of his shevet, therefore, in spite of it being the carbon of an individual, it has the status of a communal sacrifice and therefore can be brought on Shabbos. Okay, what do we derive from this? The second Medrash, which said there's no issue to bring this carbon on Shabbos in the first place. It's what Hashem wanted. Which is the view that says it was no problem to start with. Vedasa Gemara, in the opinion of the Gemara, that says we could construct out of the story of them bringing a carbon, carbon yochid on Shabbos as part of the inauguration of the Mishkan. Therefore, how much more so on Yom Kippur when you're inaugurating the Beis Hamikdash? Hainu Hoch, they're actually sharing the same logic. They both agree, both the Gemara and the second Medrash, that the reason the Nasi could bring his carbon on Shabbos was because it was a carbon that represented the Tzibur, and it did not need some special unique instruction in order to permit it to be brought. That's what we'd think. Avel Koshel Forage came by the Shaina Medrash, Except it doesn't really fit so easily in the wording of this Medrash we're actually trying to assign this opinion to. What does the Medrash say? Loyal pivoso. The Nasi did not bring the carbon of his own accord. Shani omarti Moshe Nasi echot chule. The Ebesha says it was my instruction to Moshe that a Nasi each day should bring his carbon. I know that implies what? Shahoy samir vitzivimi yuchod benegela carbon ze. 
That sounds like Hashem had to say, bring this carbon on Shabbos. And if Hashem had to say it, that implies that ordinarily it should not have been brought on Shabbos, which is Hayrasha, which means it is very much like the first Medrash is saying, a special dispensation for this Shabbos. And it's going to be a real stretch. It would be really a stretch to say, the Medrash is telling us that the Ebush just said to Moshe, I'm telling you, a Nasi should bring each day. And that doesn't actually mean that this is a unique instruction that a Nasi should bring each day. It would be really far-fetched to say, well, actually what the Medrash is saying is that Abishta was saying a blanket, generic statement that it is no issue on Shabbos to bring such a carbon. Because a Shevet has communal status. Or alternatively, that a carbon brought by the Nasi is as good as if it was a carbon brought by his Shevet. So at this point, actually, when you really analyze it, both Midrashim really seem to be saying the same thing. There's a special instruction that is relevant to these Korbanos. If that's the case, why then does the one Midrash come from the perspective that it shouldn't have happened, but they needed the special dispensation, and the other come from the perspective which effectively says they were just given the special dispensation. We're back to square one. What is the logic for the argument between these two Midrashim if ultimately they both seem to be saying the same thing, that there's a special instruction from Hashem for the Korbanos of the Nasim to override Shabbos? So, let's take a different perspective. And in order to do this, we're going to have to reach into a very well-known issue in the halachas of Shabbos. And that is, under circumstances where a particular activity, which normally should not be allowed on Shabbos, is permitted. Let's say, for example, the most classic example, pikuach nefesh, to save a life. What do we mean when we say this particular activity is permitted? Do we mean that we temporarily suspend the restrictions of Shabbos? Or do we mean that this activity is actually now considered a permitted activity? Similar debate in this context. Everybody, both Midrashim, have to agree that the Karbonis brought by the Nasim were very unique. They were only in that period of time and never repeated in history. So therefore, that's why it's logical to say whatever laws surround the Karbonos brought by the Nasim all have unique, specific uh, uh, laws that only apply to them. Not only with regards to Shabbos, everything about the instructions to the Nasim is temporary for this particular period of time preparing the, Beisamik, uh, the Mishkan. And by the way, not only their Korbanis, other Korbanis that we used to inaugurate the Mishkan were also unique and only for that time. And therefore, if there are specific laws that are only relevant to the Karbanas of the Nasim and only in that period of time, therefore both Midrashim could agree that there's a special dispensation for a Nasi to be allowed to bring a Karban on Shabbos, even though normally such a Karban should not happen on Shabbos. So 
Both Midrashim are coming from the same perspective. This is a unique chapter of history. There's a unique construction about how you bring Karbanos. That unique construction includes the possibility of a Nasi as an individual bringing a Karban on Shabbos. The question is, what does that dispensation actually mean? There are two possible ways to explain this special dispensation to bring a Karban as an individual on Shabbos. One possibility is Isra Shabbos Tuchuya, that we temporarily suspend the restrictions of Shabbos for this Nasi for that day. Which means all of the activities required to bring the carbon that transgress Shabbos are all technically still Melachos that transgress Shabbos. But, but because it's such a special time, we suspend those those laws temporarily. That's the one possibility. Or different possibility is, because this is Chanukah Samizbech, those activities are completely permissible. They're not that we suspend Shabbos to allow them. They are permissible activities. That, does not, that means we're not temporarily suspending these restrictive laws. This is how you keep Shabbos at this particular point in time. And this is Alderech HaMachloikas Binyin Pikuach Nefesh B'Shabbos. This is exactly the same debate that you find about Pikuach Nefesh, doing things that contravene Shabbos in order to save a life. V'Kama Alochas, the Gemara in Pesachim, gives other examples too. Imuhu Begeda Doiche Umutar. This is the lengthy debate between various commentators, whether that means that Shabbos is temporarily suspended, or this is considered 100% green light on Shabbos. So with that in mind, that would be the logical distinction between the two Midrashim. If we go with the first view that says, well, what the Nassim did wasn't really acceptable, but because of the beauty and how much Hashem finds their Korbanus beloved, he was willing to allow it. Allow it means that implies that Shabbos was temporarily suspended for the Nasi. That means this behavior is it's not Shabbos-dick behavior. It's not acceptable in any other circumstance. But here, those laws and restrictions are temporarily suspended, so therefore he could bring his carbon. That means that now that the laws have been suspended, so the Nasiri of Ephraim can bring his carbon on Shabbos, that still means that Shechita is actually not permitted on Shabbos. And whatever other elements of that Krava, lighting the fire, burning things up, whatever it is, those things are still Asur, but he, he's got to pass. Temporarily suspends all of those restrictions because the carbonus of the Nasim are so precious. That's the first Medrash. Whereas the second Medrash says, no, that's not how it works. This was allowed on Shabbos, completely allowed. That means that all the activities required to bring the carbon of the Nasi on Shabbos are all permissible activities. Shechting this carbon is permissible. Burning this meat is permissible. When the laws of Shabbos were introduced, with all of their restrictive clauses, they were never intended to include this scenario. In other words, they were never intended to forbid this scenario. That's why this version of the Medrash emphasizes doesn't talk about it as, okay, it was inappropriate, but it was acceptable. 
אלא אדרבה, זה קיום ציווה לא יעל פי ועושה שאני אמרתי כולי. This major says, this wasn't something he, the Nasi, invented. This is what the Ebishter wants. This is how you keep Shabbos on that Shabbos by bringing this carbon. Now let's, with this information, go back to something we quoted earlier that was part of the Medrash expression where it said, The Medrash said, the Pasuk tells us, this is the carbon of Nachshen, said the Medrash, This carbon overrides Shabbos. No other Individual carbon can override Shabbos. Trilahadin kan. How does the language work in the Medrash? First, let's talk about our scenario. Here, when you're talking about the carbon of a Nasi, that overrides Shabbos. And then we expand out and talk about the broader scenario of an individual trying to bring a carbon on Shabbos, which is not permitted. Now this language is the opposite of the original Medrash. But say the Hofuch Me'ashem Medrash and Al-Sif Aleph. What did the first Medrash say? Bechol Mokam Ein Karben Yochi Doiche Esa Shabbos. That Medrash started with a, with a principle. The principle is an individual cannot bring a carbon on Shabbos that's forbidden. Whereas here there's an exception. Bechan Karben Yochi Doiche Esa Shabbos. Here we are suspending the laws of not bringing a carbon on Shabbos to accommodate the carbon of the Nasi which is so beloved to Hashem. Let's analyze this even more clearly. The difference between whether you first discuss what is, uh, what is forbidden and then you speak about the fact that it's permitted here. Or if you first speak about the fact that it's permitted here and then mention the fact that it's forbidden elsewhere, that goes to these two views about how it is that the Nasi was permitted to bring a carbon on Shabbos. Was it Duchuya or Hutra? So as we've already mentioned, the first Medrash comes from the perspective that Shechita and burning, etc. is not allowed on Shabbos. But we suspend it in favor of the Nasi of Ephraim. Therefore, where do you come from? First, let's say what you're not allowed to do. These are the laws of Shabbos. A Yochid may not bring a carbon on Shabbos. So it would be clear to us that this behavior is actually inappropriate behavior normally. But in these circumstances, it is temporarily suspended. Whereas the Medrash that is speaking about the introduction to the Nasim, this is the carbon of Nachshen, that's the Medrash that's speaking that's saying not only do we temporarily suspend the laws of Shabbos to accommodate the Nasi, but rather it is okay for the Nasi to bring a carbon on Shabbos. Therefore, what's the first thing you say? This carbon is acceptable. This carbon overrides Shabbos. First, let's talk about the uniqueness of the carbon of the Nasi, which does override Shabbos. And only after that you speak about the fact that elsewhere, in ordinary circumstances, an individual carbon cannot override Shabbos. And especially when you consider what we already did note before, that this Medrash wants us to know that when the carbon of a Nasi appears, it is as if it is a carbon of the community. That gives us a richer understanding of the debate between the two opinions. The first view, which was, 
that the behavior is actually not Shabbastic behavior, but it is it is permitted in circumstance so that the in context so that the the nasi could bring his carbon. Well, then he's basically saying, "I read carbon and nasi carbon yochid." Then the the status of the carbon the nasi is bringing is technically an individual's carbon, which should not override Shab- uh, override Shabbos. It's sheloi kehoygen. That's the language the major says. Normally an individual's carbon cannot be brought on Shabbos. And here an individual's carbon was brought on Shabbos. So therefore you're saying the Nasi's carbon is in the category of a carbon yochid. Well, if he's a carbon yochid, then the best we could do for him is temporarily suspend the laws of Shabbos to accommodate him. Whereas the second medrash that says, no, this carbon overrides Shabbos, that's a medrash coming from the perspective that because the Nasi is not acting in his personal capacity, but is representing his Shevet, therefore his carbon is like a communal carbon. As we have already identified, that makes this activity completely acceptable for Shabbos. The only thing is, once we start analyzing this, even the argument that says that Hutra, that it was completely acceptable to bring a carbon on Shabbos, even there, there are two views. The part of the Medrash that says this carbon overrides Shabbos and then continues and others don't. That's Hashabos Hutra Mipnesha Karban Anosi Waderech Karban Tzibur. That's a Medrash that's saying, well, the reason that this carbon overrides Shabbos is because even though it's an individual bringing it, he is bringing it in his capacity as a representative of the community. So why does his carbon override Shabbos? Because it's really like a communal offering. And a communal offering, Hutra, is permitted on Shabbos. But the very original Medrash we brought that said it's okay to bring this carbon on Shabbos, that Medrash says, Don't complain, how did the Nasi break Shabbos? And normally an individual's carbon cannot override Shabbos. Don't worry, because the Abish just said he could bring his, his carbon. That's fascinating. That Medrash seems to be saying he's given absolute permission to bring the carbon, not just in a way that Shabbos is temporarily suspended on his behalf, but it's hutra, it's completely acceptable, and yet it's still a carbon yachid. Why is it acceptable if it's a carbon yachid? It's because David just said that it's okay. So now, why would we come from an angle that says, this is a carbon yachid, and yet it is hutra? In other words, the medrash that says it's a carbon yachid and duchuya, that makes perfect sense. Normally, a carbon yachid should not be brought on a Shabbos, but here we'll temporarily suspend the laws of Shabbos on his behalf. The medrash that says their carbon, that this is not a carbon yachid, this is a carbon tzibur, and therefore hutra, it's completely acceptable to bring the carbon on Shabbos, that makes sense because a carbon tzibur is never restricted by Shabbos. But this medrash that is saying, Shaloi Toimar, you shouldn't think that he did something wrong. 
Why would you think he did something wrong? Well, obviously, because we're saying he is bringing a carbon yachid, and a carbon yachid normally cannot override Shabbos. So why is it overriding Shabbos here? Because Debus just said so. Well, why? Why is there suddenly this permission, Hutra, to allow complete acceptance of an individual's carbon because he's a Nasi? Something's missing. We need to understand it. And in order to understand that, we're going to bring a fourth medrash. So let's just review. We have the medrash, the part of the medrash that says, Shabbos is Duchuya because normally you cannot bring a carbon tzibur, but because Chavivin, it's Shaloi Kohigin, it's not the right thing to do, but because Chavivin, because the carbonus of the Nesim are so beautiful, the Ibishta allows it. Duchuya. It's just temporarily suspended. Then we have the Medrash that says, Zeh Karban Nachshon, which basically says, Zeh HaKarban Doiche Shabbos, because a Nasi is considered somebody who's technically bringing a a, a communal sacrifice and therefore Hutra there is nothing in Shabbos that would ever block such a carbon from happening and then there's the Medrash we're trying to understand which is one we actually quoted right at the beginning of the Sicha that says I don't think that Chilol Shabbos said he did something which is against Shabbos because it's Lomi Piv he didn't make it up on his own and he omarited Abish told him that he should do it which implies that he is bringing something which is a carbon Yochid technically and yet Shabbos is Hutra where else do we have any precedent that Shabbos should be Hutra should be completely permissible for an individual to bring a carbon. Uh, you know, how does that happen over here in the case of the Nasi? In order to understand that, we're going to bring a fourth Medrash that says, well, it's specifically because this is the Shevet Ephraim. There's history over here. Ephraim obviously being a son of Yosef. Yosef did something magnificent for Shabbos and therefore the Ibishta gave his descendant the capacity to break Shabbos. Sounds bizarre. You keep Shabbos and because of that, your descendant is blessed with the ability to break Shabbos. Let's see. This is a fourth Medrash, which is in Parashat Yudalit. So that's already after the section where we've learned about the Shaloi Toma. I don't think that he's been Mechalal Shabbos. This is the language of the Medrash. First, he quotes the Pasuk Mik, the Mani Vashalem. challenges us, who has preceded me that I, so to speak, owe them anything? And then he says, this Pasuk, the Medrash says, is referring to Yosef at Tzadik, who kept Shabbos even before Shabbos was an instruction. Yosef, you kept Shabbos before the Torah was given. I promise you the reward for that will be that your descendant will bring a Korban on Shabbos. Something that an individual can never normally do. And I swear that I'm going to willingly accept his carbon. What a strange medrash. How does it make any sense to say? The reward for somebody who did a spectacular job of keeping Shabbos will be that his descendant can do something you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. I'm going to reward you for keeping Shabbos by allowing your descendant to desecrate Shabbos. How does that work? It goes without saying that if you go with the first view of the first Medrash, that an individual Nasi bringing his carbon on Shabbos is Duchuya, he just temporarily suspends the laws of Shabbos on his behalf. In which case we and we say this is not really acceptable behavior. So it sounds a little bit like breaking Shabbos. But it's not really breaking Shabbos because they actually temporarily suspends the laws of Shabbos on his behalf. 
But even if you go with the other midrashim that say that there is no duchuya, there is no problem. In the, in the first instance, this is the correct thing to do on Shabbos. Okay, so if you're saying hutra, you're saying it's not a desecration of Shabbos. But it's definitely nobody is going to expand this out and say, well, by bringing that korban and that that korban, you're now keeping Shabbos. Which surely should have been the midah connected midah reward. Yosef kept Shabbos. Surely his descendants should have the opportunity to keep Shabbos in a magnificent way, not just to have a an excuse to be able to do something you typically shouldn't be able to do on Shabbos. Unless, of course, we're missing the main point over here, which is when we say gufa mashma shadafim medrash zeh. Actually, it must be that what this medrash is indicating is that korban anesim b'shabbos poli sofer b'shmirah shabbos. That actually the korbanos that these nesim brought on Shabbos added to Shabbos. So up until this point in time, we've said either they were excused for bringing the carbon on Shabbos, or they were permitted to bring the carbon on Shabbos, now we're saying, this fourth Medrash is giving us an insight that actually there is value added to Shabbos by bringing this carbon. In order to understand that, what we're going to do is we're going to say there are four Medrashim over here. We're going to split them into two categories. Shlemar Birbaseh. So let's split the four statements of the Medrash into two groups. The first explanation, which was, it's not really the appropriate thing to do, but it was suspended because of the beauty of the Karbonus of the Nesim, so therefore they were allowed to do it. And the next medrash, which said, well, this korban totally overrides Shabbos, as opposed to a typical korban of a yachid. And they're both shnei beparashi yud gimel. They're both quoted in the same paragraph of the medrash. So that must be because they're linked. They are Both of those midrashim are speaking to the issue of nesim bringing korbanos and whether or not that interferes with Shabbos. Which means at that section, at that stage of the Medrash, we're talking about what's unique about the Karbonus of the Nasim. Well, one of the things that's unique is that they could override and they could bring the Karbonus on Shabbos. And then the two views about how that happens. But the other two perspectives of the Medrash, which are in a different paragraph, Yudalit, the argument that says, no, there's no Chilul Shabbos over here because I told him this is when he should bring his korban. And the whole story about Yosef earning his great-grandchild the, the rights to be able to bring a korban on Shabbos. That part of the Medrash is not talking about the broader story of the Nasim bringing the korbanas. Now we're talking specifically about Ephraim. This is talking about the seventh day when Ephraim brings his carbon. And they're focused on telling us what was so unique about Ephraim's carbon. So now we can see that the two groups, what's the difference between the two groups and what they're telling us about the story? The first two comments in the Medrash, which address the broader story of the Nasim bringing their Karbonus and all the various aspects of that story. When they reach the part of can they bring the Nasim, can they bring Karbonus on Shabbos? Well, that's a discussion in the context of the general Karbonus of the Nasim. 
where basically what you're going to say is, well, the Nesim are doing something so amazing, therefore it empowers them to override Shabbos. Either Duchuya in the first comment on the Medrash or Hutra in the second comment on the Medrash. But what they both have in common is this is a spectacular moment. The Nesim are bringing Karbonis. That's why it's so powerful. Whereas the two subsequent Medrashim, where the Medrash is now talking about the person who was the individual who actually brought his carbon on Shabbos, which is the Nasid of At this point, the Medrash is not saying, well, the Nasim are so beautiful and the Karbonis are so special, therefore they can override Shabbos. Here we're actually talking from the perspective of the laws of Shabbos and how they relate to the carbon of the Nasi. In other words, fascinating perspective that this part of the Medrash is telling us because of Shabbos, because of how Shabbos works, because of the halachas of Shabbos, therefore this Nasi had to bring his carbon on Shabbos. Let's understand that better. If we're going to say that this part of the Medrash is telling us there's a law of Shabbos that says the Nasi Ephraim has to bring his carbon on Shabbos, there are actually two ways that that could work. Aleph, one perspective is the laws of Shabbos are designed in such a way that the Nasi is permitted to bring his carbon on Shabbos. In other words, that would mean, we're not saying, because the carbon of the Nasi is something which is so special, therefore can be brought on a Shabbos. Which would then be an argument to say, the carbonus of the Nasim are so magnificent, they have the rights to override Shabbos. We're not saying that. What we'd actually be saying is, when the laws of Shabbos were given, and those laws said you may not slaughter an animal on Shabbos, you may not burn things on Shabbos, etc., it never in the first place included this carbon. This carbon was built into the halacha as a permissible carbon. We actually find this in various places. That when you have a positive mitzvah that overrides a restrictive mitzvah, like for example, giving a bris when somebody has a, a, a mark of tzaras or putting tzitzis on your garment when there's shatnas. That means that it's built into the law. The laws of tzaras, which say you're not allowed to cut off the blemish of tzaras, built into that law is unless it's a bris. The law that says you may not have shatnas built into that law is unless it's your tzitzis. The law of Shabbos that says you may not shecht on Shabbos unless it's the carbon of the Nasim. That's one possibility. There's another possibility. Base. Not only are the laws of Shabbos designed in such a way that this is not a problem. More than that, this carbon is part of the laws of Shabbos. Meaning, Part of what's unique about Shabbos is it's such a holy day, you're not allowed to do certain activities. And the same holy day of Shabbos is the day that compels you to have to bring a carbon Musaf. Why do you bring a carbon Musaf? Which normally you're not allowed to shecht, etc. Why do you bring a carbon Musaf? Because today is a holy day, it's Shabbos. 
אשר אמרתי קודם זה של נשיא אפרים בשבס, ודווקא על ידי זה מסתיים השמירה שבס כדבוי. The same thing applies, because שבס is a holy day, therefore the קורבן of the נשיא of אפרים has to be brought on that day, because that's what makes that day a proper שבס, and if that קורבן had not been brought on that שבס, that שבס would never be a proper שבס. You see something similar, not identical in the laws of saving a life on Shabbos. If you have to save a life, and in order to save a life on Shabbos, you have to desecrate a law of Shabbos. It's not that we temporarily suspend that restriction, and it's not even that we now permit you to do this particular thing, because you've got, obviously you've got to save a life. That's how you keep Shabbos in this circumstance. That's why this is going to be a law listed in the laws of Shabbos, not in the laws of preservation of life. The person who saves a life on Shabbos, the person who drives the ambulance, the person who uses the defibrillator, who stitches the person up, whatever it is, that person is, that's how you keep Shabbos under these circumstances. Not that we allow you to do that in spite of the fact that it's Shabbos. This is Shmir Shabbos in that circumstance. And we learn it out of the Pasuk that says, The Yidin kept the Shabbos of Lashon Ho'erachayim. Like the Erachayim says, Why do I say that you should desecrate Shabbos for somebody who is God forbid ill? That's not called desecration. That's called keeping Shabbos. And so the person who hesitates not to call Atzala or whatever it is, that is desecration of Shabbos. In the same way here, the korban of the Nesia Ephraim on Shabbos, that's how you keep that Shabbos. If that korban is missing, it's not just that, okay, now we haven't transgressed Shabbos. We have transgressed Shabbos. We are not keeping Shabbos if we haven't brought that korban. Of course, now you can understand that the second group of Midrashim is giving us a far more innovative perspective than the first two. Both perspectives quoted in the first section of the Medrash, i.e. that Duchuya will allow the, the Nasi to bring his korban, or this korban has a special heter that was never problematic on Shabbos in the first place. That's because this is the korbanus of the Nasim and they have laws of their own. And then we get into to the technicalities. How do their laws operate, the laws that allow them to bring a carbon on Shabbos? Is it just that we suspend the laws of Shabbos temporarily, or is it that this was never an issue and it was always permissible to bring the carbon on Shabbos? Whereas the second group of Midrashim, they focus specifically on the carbon that was actually brought on Shabbos, as we've mentioned, they are discussing the laws of Shabbos, not the laws of the Korbanus of the Nesim. That's why neither one of these Midrashim talks about the possibility that this Korban is so powerful and so special that it's considered like the Korban of a community, because that's irrelevant. That that would then give them permission to bring this Korban on Shabbos. To the country. This part of the Medrash actually wants to highlight the fact that the Korban is technically an individual Korban. Listen to the words of the Medrash. Don't we normally say that an individual's Korban cannot override Shabbos? And here he did. 
And then the Medrash explains why. I said you should do it. Or the language that goes, that the, the promise that Hashem made to Yosef was that his descendant would be able to bring a carbon on Shabbos, which an individual normally cannot do. Why we're now talking about the carbon in the context of an individual? Because we want to be clear that we're not saying the reason this carbon is brought on Shabbos is because of, look at the high caliber carbon it is. It's the carbon of the Nasi on behalf of the community. No, it's because it's a law of Shabbos. This part of the Medrash wants to make it clear. The reason these Karbonos are brought on Shabbos is not because these Karbonos are unique. Which would then give them the possibility of overriding Shabbos. This part of the Medrash wants us to know that Shabbos itself tells us that this has to be brought on Shabbos. Even if they are the Karbonus of individuals, they have to be brought on Shabbos because that's how Shabbos is celebrated. And then the difference between the two Midrashim and the second segment are just why this is a unique law within Shabbos. The Midrash that says, don't think that this was inappropriate because I said that this carbon should be brought. That makes it sound like it is a, 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 a pre, a pre um, what do you call it? A... A, a law that is built into Shabbos, a condition, a precondition of Shabbos. That Shabbos itself says, this is how Shabbos works, this thing is not, is not problematic on Shabbos. And that's why the major says, don't complain that he's breaking Shabbos. Because David says, I say, bring this carbon on Shabbos. In other words, this is not breaking Shabbos. Because it's what David wants. In other words, what David built into Shabbos. Similar to language we find the Poiskim using the Pirish Mahamachilta. Uh, commenting on the Mechilta that says, Mechaleleo Mois Yumos. The Pasuk says, if you desecrate Shabbos, it's a capital offense. And over Yoma Shabbos Nechivosim, that on Shabbos you have to bring two Musafim, two Karbonois, which technically desecrate Shabbos, says the Mechilta Shneim Badiborech Ademru. They were both said in the same breath. What do you mean they were said in the same breath? At the same time that the Torah says, do this, it's the same time the Torah is saying, don't do that. Not doing that is how you observe Shabbos. Doing that is how you observe Shabbos. So not shechting is how you observe Shabbos. Shechting the Karma Musaf is how you observe Shabbos. That's the first view. The Medrash that says, Kachomariti. The Ebesh says, this is what I'm saying. This is how you keep Shabbos. But the second, or it's actually the fourth, but the second medrash in the second group that says Ephraim brought a carbon on Shabbos as a reward for Yosef keeping Shabbos. Then it's not just a condition. Shabbos is designed in such a way to accommodate this particular carbon and hutra completely. But rather, that Medrash is saying, this is the proper, the best, the ideal way to keep Shabbos. This carbon adds to the holiness of Shabbos.
And in fact, going back to the quotation we just made from the Mechilta, but from a deeper perspective, the fact that don't desecrate Shabbos and bring these carbonates was said in the same breath. It's not only to illustrate that they are not in contrast, but rather to tell us much more profoundly that they both it, they both reflect the holiness of Shabbos. The holiness of Shabbos is highlighted, or is manifested, how? By bringing the Karbonus Musaf. And and the holiness of Shabbos is by preserving uh, the, the various activities that we don't do on Shabbos. And that's why this would be an appropriate reward for who? For Yosef. Why? Because Yosef kept Shabbos in an unusual way, in an so to speak, beyond the requirement of the law. He kept Shabbos before it was an obligation. Therefore, it's his family who gets the opportunity to add a dimension to the keeping of Shabbos that others cannot add. That it's Dafka, his family, that gets to add more Kedusha to Shabbos by bringing a carbon on Shabbos. Okay, we're going to take this a little deeper. There are as a hisafas and a kudos that tesefas beer kind of added insights just to help us understand the concept better and why it's specifically associated with Yosef and even within Yosef more specifically Ephraim because this is the dynamic and the nature of Yosef. We have one more question to ask and that is Yes, it's true. The fact that Ephraim brought a korban on Shabbos could, as we've now explained, make sense as a reward for Yosef keeping Shabbos. Yosef added more Shabbos than was required at the time and so here his descendant adds more to the value of Shabbos. Because as we've just said, that by the Nasi Ephraim bringing the korban on Shabbos, he adds to the holiness of Shabbos. Question is still... Still, if Ephraim is going to have the opportunity to add Kedusha to Shabbos, why is the means of adding that Kedusha through an activity that we would normally identify as breaking Shabbos? The answer is the fact that Yosef kept Shabbos before it was instructed indicates means that Yosef was able to key in to a dimension that is even higher than the dimension from which Shabbos was given and that's where his uh, observance of Shabbos came from. What does that mean? If we say Shabbos was given, that implies the Shabbos already existed and now has been transferred to us. But it's not created at that point. It exists at a higher dimension to the dimension at which it was given. Logic says, wherever Shabbos is, so to speak, presented, will determine the extent of how much Kedusha the Shabbos will bring with it. At a high level, possibly more Kedusha. At a low level, possibly less Kedusha. You actually see this in the distinction between people who are completely invested in Torah learning compared to the rest of us. The halacha tells us that if you work all week, then when it comes Shabbos, you need to learn extra Torah. 
in order for the Abishah to rest, what does Abishah stop doing? Speaking. Because how did Hashem create? Through speech. Compared to us resting, we, we act during the week, and so therefore for us to rest on Shabbos means we do less actions. Which helps us to understand if you're in a higher world, which is even beyond the world of speech, a world that is beyond so-called mundane prattle, which is a euphemism for the ten utterances that Hashem uses to create the world. So then there's another type of, of Shabbos, another type of rest, which we can't even begin to imagine. It's beyond resting from speech. There the, the shvisa, the rest is that Debesha rests from restricting himself, from withholding himself. Like for example, the fact that Gehenim, all of the negativity of Gehenim is suspended on Shabbos. That's a rest. Or the exposure to a far, far deeper level of divine pleasure that is experienced in Ganeidin. On Shabbos. The point is that different dimensions of Shabbos, Shabbos means different things at different levels. If Yosef keeps the Shabbos, it doesn't only mean that he had the foresight to know that there's going to be such a thing as Shabbos and he started to observe it in advance. It means he accessed a dimension of Shabbos that is different to the dimension that was presented to the world. So that's the uniqueness of Yosef's Shabbos before it was given. Yosef has an experience of Shabbos that is beyond Shabbos as it is here on earth. In fact, he's even able to access a dimension of Shabbos that is beyond the resting, so to speak, that David does from speaking and creating. And that gives him access to a far, far, far superior kind of an experience of pleasure of Shabbos, something we couldn't begin to imagine. So because Yosef reaches such a, an elevated experience of Shabbos, Therefore, how does this Shabbos that Yosef accessed manifests in our world in a way that's completely beyond the, the rules of Shabbos in our world. As we see often in our world that sometimes the simplest things create the greatest pleasure. He has a good example. The pleasure a father has from a child. A father's pleasure from the gurgling or the, the little uh, shtick of his baby is far deeper than the pleasure that he gets from the wisdom of his child, older child. In other words, Yosef accesses such a profound dimension of Shabbos. How does it manifest here in this world? Through an activity that actually doesn't even look like a Shabbos. 
And yet, because you're plugged into a dimension of Shabbos that is beyond how Shabbos has to play out in our world, this behavior that looks like it's against the rules actually enhances the Shabbos. Who has the power for that? Yosef and, and Ephraim specifically. Because in Yonishal Yosef, who has explained multiple times in Chesidus, Yosef is Yosef Avayeli Ben Acher, that Rochel Imenu Davan, that Debisha should add, when Yosef was born, add another son, says Chesidus, that it means Yosef's Koyach is to take Acher, that which is foreign to Judaism, and turn it into part of the family. In other words, those things which are far from Kedusha and make them holy. Out of Yosef's whole family, Ephraim is the one who crystallizes this concept most because he's named Hashem Ki Ephraim. How did Ephraim get his name? Because Yosef says that David gave me tremendous abundance even in a place of oppression. I know in other words, what's Ephraim all about? That Dafka, when you're in a place of terrible oppression, your experience is this abundance from the Ebishta. You experience the conversion of darkness into light and bitterness into sweetness. That's why out of all 12 Shvatim, it's Ephraim who lands up bringing the carbon on Shabbos. So here you've got a person who's bringing a carbon on Shabbos. That is something which you shouldn't be doing. Right? It sounds like it's something which is inappropriate. Onyi. It's problematic. He's able to turn it around into something of beauty and abundance. What does beauty and abundance mean? That not only is it acceptable on Shabbos, not only is it permitted on Shabbos, but it actually enhances the Shabbos. Hefrani Elikim. David allows me the opportunity to add much, much more into a space that previously was restricted and didn't have access to holiness through this particular kind of activity. That's the power of Yosef and of Ephraim.